0: Luke chapter 24, and we're going to begin reading at uh, verse 44. Verse 44, the speaking of the appearance of the Lord to the apostles and those that were with them as they were in that room waiting. Verse 44, And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you, while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses, and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the Scriptures. And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer, and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. Amen. May the Lord add his own blessing to his word. Again, this was spoken by the Lord Jesus after his resurrection to his disciples in that room where they waited and tarried for him. Uh, Many of them not believing, some of them not believing, but he was actually risen. He proved himself to them. You read that earlier in the chapter. But this morning I want us to center our attention on verse 45. Then opened he their understanding. That they might understand the scriptures. I want us to think on what I'm calling the gospel's center and difficulty. Before we go any further, let's just ask the Lord to meet with us. Father in heaven, now we would pray that you will allow the Word of God to be opened to our minds and our understandings as well. That you will point us to yourself, to the work that you did to now the result of that work that causes us to be made those who are indeed witnesses. We pray that you will then send the Spirit of God in our midst, that he will teach us, that he will direct us, that he will overrule those things that have to do with our own old man. We pray that you will draw us to yourself, that we may sit at your feet during this time. Lord, help us and meet with us is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The scene of which we read is a secret retreat where the disciples had gathered themselves for fear of the authorities of that day. We say that it is secret But it cannot be looked at as being very secret. For many knew where to go to find the disciples. Mary knew where they were. The men who returned from Emmaus knew where they would find the disciples without too much difficulty. The larger point, though, of our reading is that the whole of the disciples were gathered together in this place. But notice that there was also with them a considerable number. In verse 33 it says, And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together, and them that were with them. We don't know exactly how many that number is. Certainly there is a precedent being set by this gathering that found itself repeated as they waited in that room for the coming of the holy spirit later on after the lord had descended also uh, a precedent for that gathering that met together to pray for the release of peter from herod's prison one thing that you could say though about this particular instance and this group that were gathered that night or that day that was that at this time was far from a time of faith that would have been descriptive of the other later meetings. Meetings. This group was stunned when they saw the Lord appear in their midst. The Lord Jesus, in fact, had to convince them that He was indeed Himself, that He was alive, and the Lord Jesus stressed to them that He was the same Savior. That they had known in times before. He had not changed in his heart toward them. Though he had been one to suffer. And though they had forsaken him. His heart was all theirs. In fact you find the very first words that the Lord says to these as he comes into their midst. is, Peace be unto you. This shows that he desired that these men would be revived spiritually in their knowledge of his love for them and that they would be full of joy as they were seeing the risen Christ and that they would also be brought to the place of having believing hearts. Now this this revelation of the Lord's need for them to have hearts changed uh, speaks to us about a very important truth. And that is that before the Lord ever bestows the power of his blessing to use his chosen ones, there must first be a heart of belief in the saint. Before power there must be faith. In our text, we see that the Lord Jesus exposes this great need of faith by correcting these who are gathered, by explaining to them the nature of his work, and expounding to them the truth about what the scriptures would say. And he does so that these men might find not only the power of a heart of faith, but they would also find the power of a clear And truthful message. He teaches. He preaches. But then he opens the minds and hearts. By his power. Now it may seem surprising. And even seem somewhat amazing. That these men. That walked with Christ. And heard him not only speak to hundreds about himself but also had times of direct conversation with the Lord about what he was doing and the nature of his work. And they still, after, even after what the Lord had told them about himself, was fulfilled. They could not understand the nature of the gospel. Had not the Lord dealt with the fullness of his work in Matthew chapter 16, Had he not explained it well to them? Matthew 16, from that time forth began Jesus to show his disciples how that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. It was in that moment, in that time, that day when the Lord was telling the disciples what was going to happen that Peter confessed that the Lord Jesus was the son of the living God. Yet, Here he sits with the others, not discerning what the Lord was speaking about. For with the others he had forgotten. Or, when we put it this way, it may have been that the word of God that the Lord Jesus even spoke to him had no power within his heart. And he was there in this condition, needing faith. I'm going to say that this is a sad but an all-too-common occurrence. This is not something that is just the testimony of this moment with these men in that day, but it's something that's common. Well, as a result, the Lord Jesus took time to sit among them and to minister to them, as he did with the two men on the Emmaus Road. He opens those closed up, self-absorbed hearts and melts away the unbelief by pointing to the only single thing that can strengthen the heart of a faith-starved saint. In other words, he begins to show and open their eyes to see his glory through his work but in the word. The glory of the work of Christ. But he presents it in the word. So what I'd like to think about this morning is this. That before the Lord ever bestows the power of his gospel, there must first be a captivating in the heart of the saint the glorious victory of Christ alone. You and I must be those who understand and are captivated by the glory, the fullness, the personal application, if you will, of the gospel of Jesus Christ if we are ever going to see the power of the gospel being used. now It wasn't the Lord's overruling power that changed these men. But the substance of what their hearts were open to. They found that it was the glory of the risen Christ, that same glory that they had seen on the mountaintop as he was transfigured while the conversation was about his upcoming suffering that was the glory that filled their hearts. Christ's work. Christ's person. Christ's success. Again, I underscore the word Christ's. What the Lord Jesus did, understanding that, being taken up with that, thinking on that, dwelling on that, was what changed their hearts. It wasn't the Lord just saying, I'm going to give you some overwhelming power that overwhelms the enemy. They had known something like that. Previously, when the Lord sent them out, they had known things like that. That you know, devils were subject to their word. But the Lord Jesus, when they came back and said, Hey, these things happened," The Lord said, Now, wait a minute. Let's put this in perspective. That was not the greater thing. Rejoice that your names are written down in the book of life. Seek the truth of the gospel. That's what changes men. So, I want us to note this morning, the Lord's ministry to these who are gathered... And think about what that teaches us. Why was it that the risen Christ took time in his days that he remained on this earth before ascending to teach this particular lesson? Well, I want us to note then a couple of things. First, I want you to think with me on what I'm calling the Declaration. The declaration. And he said unto them. And he said unto them. Verse 46. The Lord Jesus began to speak to them. About the matters that were of vital importance. First. To their being able to go on with joy in their own life. Which everybody wants I suppose. If they're alive spiritually. And then secondly. Of what is importance. to That was to be preached to the nations. You know at first in your own life it will produce joy in you. But then this is what I want you to preach. This is what I want you to set before men. I don't want you to go out there and just establish groups of people meeting for sundry reasons. Here is what you are to speak of. Now, a couple of things I want you to know with me about this. As the Lord Jesus says these things, as he gives uh, the instruction, as he is ministering to them about what is life-changing to them, life-fulfilling to them, as well as what the message is that they're to speak, I want you to see first that this, the substance of this subject was not different from Christ's instructions before. The Lord didn't change his message to these men. You know, we might think that the disciples in this hour in which they were being prepared for an upcoming worldwide evangelism, as well as the Lord's imminent departure, that they needed some new and vital words to be given to them. Give us something that is really different and new and solid and No. No. What the Lord Jesus brought back to his disciples. Was what they may have said that they knew well. The truths of the scriptures. The things that were written in the book of Moses. Or books of Moses. And the prophets and the Psalms that we are told. He brought to them things that they already knew well. But apparently was not alive in them. What the Lord opened to their minds was the scriptures. And they may have known all the things the Lord ever told them. Or spoken of them. They may have known it well. And in fact, I could just imagine. Because uh, I know how we are. That there could have been a, perhaps an impatient man sitting along with the others. That would have said, well I already know all that. Why is he telling me this all over again? But what the Lord Jesus revealed that they may have understood as the matter of those scriptures. Um, they certainly did not know as the power that was in those in that scripture. They may have known the matter of what the Lord Jesus was referring to. But they certainly didn't know the power of what was being said in those words. Well, why not? Why is that not true? Well... Before this point, the scriptures were being understood. And this is no small thing. Before the Lord brings them to understand what his connection was, what the connection of his sacrifice, his atonement, his resurrection, before that point that the Lord expla- explains all that, they understood the scriptures apart from his glorious victory. They understood the scriptures to say things, but they didn't understand in the light of what Christ has done. You know, the Lord Jesus revealed to these men that the types, the pictures, the ceremonies, the feasts, all these things that they may have learned of, they spoke of this day in which he stood before them. Everything that you saw in the scriptures previously speak of what I have just now done. It was at the cross That sin was put away. And the glory descended upon the head of the Son of Man. You can almost think the Lord Jesus would have been justified. In saying to these men. I have been speaking of this for years with you. Now you have heard it. This is why I've come. What I just did. What I just went through. The victory that I just won explains to you now everything that I have been speaking to you of for years. Now, I'm stressed saying this to stress this. There was no need of a new revelation for these men. What was needed is to see the glory of God in the unveiling of the Lord Jesus in all the scriptures. To see Christ in the Scripture. Now, I want to stress this. Christ is not merely foretold or presented in the Old Testament. What the Lord Jesus did with these men, and that we ought to be praying that the Lord would do for us as well, is that Christ melted the hearts of those in that room with the understanding of his glorious victory and his finished work in all the different places in the scriptures. Or may I put it a different way? It, is not, it was not the need or the goal of the Lord Jesus to prove that he could be seen in the scriptures that so moved them. It was rather, and I underscore this, it wasn't just knowing that Christ was in the Old Testament or that Christ was revealed in the prophecies. It wasn't just that he was seen in the scriptures, but now there was the seeing of Christ's purpose and His victory that changed their hearts. Now I understand, yes, it speaks of the person of Christ, it predicts the coming of Christ, it speaks of the nature of Christ, but now I can understand how that all fits together in the purposes of God to redeem people from their sins. This was something that was spoken of the Lord Jesus before. The disciples just didn't understand it. Because they never understood it in the light of the successful atoning work of Christ and his perfect resurrection. But then the Lord explains it to them. And everything changes. The second thing. This same understanding that I'm speaking about This understanding about the Lord Jesus, his purposes and his victories and so forth that I've been mentioning to you, this same understanding is vital for both peace and preaching. This same understanding is vital for both peace and preaching. The Lord Jesus makes it simple and clear that the one and only truth which will reach the hearts of men either to strengthen them for this earth or to prepare them for the glory that is to follow is that Christ's success before the Father to do all that is needed to deliver from sin and make reconciliation to God has been done. That's the only thing that will strengthen a man's heart. When you know that Jesus has accomplished everything to bring me joy. Did we not just read about this in John chapter 15? All that would bring me joy is that that which has to do with Christ abides in me. It's not anywhere else. It doesn't have anything to do with the things that I get for myself or experience, it has to do with Christ. If I think and that my heart is set upon the success of Christ, that is the source, the fountain of joy. But it is also the source of power. As Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, For it is the power of God unto salvation. For what kinds of people? To the Jew, the self-righteous, the knowledgeable ones, as well as the Greeks. Those who are the ignorant. Those who are the paganist. My point, I guess, that we can draw from this truth is simply this. If we deviate... And swerve away from this message. And we go toward that which has no glory in it or the power to melt the hearts of men. We do not serve Christ. We are not doing what we are told to do. We are not faithful servants preaching Christ. The crucified Christ. There's a lot of places that are preaching all kinds of things that men will look at and men will applaud and say, that was extremely helpful. Really? Was it about Christ and his glorious success? Or was it about how you can be something different by self-modification? Or whatever else. No, we are not to deviate from this. The Lord Jesus opens their minds and hearts to understand what he did and he implanted within them then the message. Here is the message. The disciples did not connect in days previously. To give you a bit of an illustration in this I was struck as I remembered hearing an illustration from Dr. Alan Cairns. Now this was a number of years ago. And I hope I remember it right, of what he was saying about the disciples' deadness to the things that were the glorious nature of the gospel. Um, and he used the illustration of the three disciples that went with the Lord to the top of the Mount of Transfiguration. And he made these following points. He said, "You know that these men that went with the Lord Jesus up that mountain unto the top, they were good men." These were men that already had a walk with the Lord. These were men that were already uh, applaudable by those that were um, looking at them and saying, "I wonder if they are truly uh, in the place where they should be and so forth. These were good men. And you note that there were some, some did not go up the mountain to see the glory of the Lord. Some remained where it was hard and where it was low. These men went on with the Lord. So you have to say, these were good men. Peter, James, and John. Not only was it a time that they went apart with the Lord, you have to think about the journey that they had to go through to get to that place. By all rights, if you were to take the trek that they did to climb up to the top of Mount Hermon, it probably was a two-day Uh, climb a total six day journey and he mentions that probably by the time they were there climbed up there, were there for a while and came back, it was possibly more than a week that they were gone it was not a small thing, it was not a small trek, they exerted themselves, that's the point they were good men and they exerted themselves you think, okay, yeah, these guys are really going to get it They're really going to succeed. They're really going to be something different when they come down after the mountain experience that they have. Well, you also see that these men were those who saw the cloud descend. Much like the cloud that covered the tabernacle. Here is the presence of God. Oh, now, if that that doesn't change your whole spirit within you. I don't know what would. Here's the descent of the, the, the Lord God himself in cloud form. There's also then the appearance of Moses and Elijah that come and talk to Christ. About what? The disciples heard. We are told what was spoken about. Moses and Elijah spoke to Christ about his coming demise. Demise. So here are these these good men. They take the trek with Christ. They're in the mountaintop experience. They see the descent of the Lord. They see Moses and Elijah. And they hear what they're talking about. Beyond that. They witness the shining garments. The garments that the Lord Jesus was seen in. That which spoke of the glory which the Lord Jesus as man. I underscore this as man, is crowned with this as the successful federal head of the people of God that he came to represent, that those who were in him also would wear such garments everlastingly. But beyond that, seeing Christ wearing clothes that were whiter than anything else could possibly be described as white then they hear a voice the Shekinah glory of God is discerned and God's own words to them these three men were this is my son hear him in other words listen to what you're being told here The Lord Jesus then is seen alone. Peter makes the confession which obviously reveals that they did not get any of it. Let's make three tabernacles. First Peter, what you're saying is out of what? How are you going to make three tabernacles? We're on the top of a mountain. You've got rocks. You've got bushes. What are you going to make a tabernacle from? Peter, why would you make a tabernacle? And why to Moses and Elijah? What? Well, the scripture tells us he just didn't know what to say. Here was an indication that these men, although... They, of all the disciples, of all men that ever lived, witnessed Christ as no one else, and heard things spoken about Christ as no one else had ever heard. The things that were spoken of were never, ever heard, as it were, on that day. And yet, they didn't get it. It wasn't until the Lord Jesus came in this moment that we're reading of today... And open their minds and hearts to understand all that this involved. Again, this is what you and I need to understand. Our peace on this earth and our fruitfulness for God is determined by our understanding of the success, the work of Jesus Christ, and how that relates to you personally but also how it relates to anybody else. Until that point, we really don't have the good news of the gospel. We have news, but it is not the news. Well, I'm going to consider point number two, and that's the difficulty The first was the declaration, now the difficulty. Then opened he their understanding, verse 45. The need, as I said, these were good men, they were God-fearing men, but the point is, good and God-fearing men don't always understand the gospel. Why? Well, I just wanted to see why. Why was it that these men had this going on? Why was it that they didn't get it? Well, let's just think for just a second. Number one, they were encumbered. When... The scripture says that he opened their minds. Really, you could also interpret that word, he disentangled their mind. Then opened he or disentangled he their understanding. G. Campbell Morgan makes a statement on this. He says, these men were confused and bound up by a number of different things they caused them not to be able to see Christ as he is meant to and needing to be seen either in the scriptures or in their own experience. Again, how did the disciples respond to the gospel revelations by the Lord Jesus in previous conversations? How did they actually react when the Lord spoke to them previously? Well, the Lord's death was seen as a great negative. No, Lord, no, no, what you're talking about, you remember Peter? Lord, you're talking about going up there and dying and, and that they're going to put you to death and that you have to run. No, far be it from you. Peter rebukes the Lord and tells him it must be seen as a great evil what he's talking about. And then the Lord says, get thee behind me, Satan. What The way that you are responding is how the wicked one would actually respond. On the mount, they feared exceedingly. Again, these are evidences that they did not understand the glory of Christ's victory. They did not understand the gospel. Peter, James, and John missed the whole glory of what they had just seen. Now, I'm just going to take a step back. All that I'm describing to you, I want you to understand, is very easy. This is easy to understand why they were this way. Why? Well, they were afraid. Why? What was there to be afraid of? Um, Well, let me put it to you this way. The disciples' eyes were not on Christ. They were not on his work. They were not on what was done. Their eyes were on themselves. Oh, may we learn that. When our minds and hearts and eyes are all set on ourselves, we become encumbered, tangled up in our minds and hearts and in our ways. These men were not enraptured with the glorious sight of Christ, but they feared for themselves there on the mount. A truth that left them without a sensible word in their mouths. But in our text the scripture says the Lord disentangles the disciples so that they can see him. We might ask the question, what entangles? How did they get entangled in the first place? Well, Morgan again says, well, the three Ps. Pride. Pride. Thinking of yourself, considering yourself, considering your worth, considering your worth in the light of your wants. Pride entangles, prejudice entangles, prejudging things, having your mind set on things that you don't know anything about. Preconceived notions. Three P's: Pride, Prejudice, and Preconceived notions. Well, I was thinking you know, you might put another P in there and make it four, and that is the desire to please others. Men get ensnared. Men get entangled because of these things. Men get entangled. Why? Because when all these things, if you break them all down and you look at them for what they are, it is a looking at. Someone. When you you're going to have a heart and a mind that's going to be entangled. Just way of an illustration, you know, sometimes we get all entangled in our hearts and minds about whether the Lord loves us, will bless us, whatever, and we doubt. Why does that happen? Well, I think it's for the same reason I just mentioned. We get looking at ourselves. But what ought we to be thinking of and considering? How about this as a way of illustration? Exodus chapter 12. The Hebrews were instructed to put blood on the doorpost. You know this scene. And then they're to go in and close the door. And while they're in the house, they're to eat of the Passover lamb. Now you think about those folks that were in those houses. Could they have been afraid? Could they have perhaps heard the sounds of the mourning of Egypt? I don't know. Possibly. Could they have been afraid? Could they have been afraid at the prediction of the Lord's coming and doing a real work of that sort? And perhaps they looked at themselves and said, I I don't know that I'm I'm what I ought to be. I don't know whether I'm eating this lamb the right way. I don't know whether I'm, you know looking at themselves. No, let me back up a second. When when God's justice was passing over was God looking at the people in the house? He was looking at what? The blood on the doorpost. That's what you and I need to keep our minds on. That's what the Lord Jesus is trying to tell these people. Keep your hearts and minds on what I have done. God looks at the blood, not at what you Assess yourself as being or not being. It's the blood. These men were entangled. they also were engrossed. The need of the moment, the pragmatic needs of the times, caused them to forget or neglect what they had heard. Well, that's not uncommon. We get so taken up with what's about us. We get so taken up with what is about us that that which is truly glorious ceases to be in our hearts and minds that's a shame that needs to be done away with that's the lord jesus knew that these men need to have their hearts and minds set on that which is the right thing to set your heart and mind on so i come then very quickly To the last thought. And that is the demand. The demand. What is said by all this? You need. To fix your heart. On Christ. The successful Christ. Not just for yourself. Which is all important here's the fountain of your joy. You fix your heart on the successful Christ that he has put away sin, all your sin, that he's now before the throne of God obtaining for us all things. Romans chapter 8. If he gave us his Son, how will he not give us... He has to also with us give us all things. Yes. But also so that your heart would be in a place where you can tell others about what they need. You know, you and I long to have a move of God. We long to have our hearts melted. Well, we need to have the help of the Holy Spirit to see the glory of the Lord Jesus in His victory. And us standing with Him in that victory. And this alone dispels the darkness. The demand is that you keep your hearts and minds fixed on Jesus Christ. The Lord came in those days after his resurrection and went to these secluded men and dealt with them on this particular subject because this is what everything revolves about. Well, May the Lord allow us to know the same ministry of the Spirit of God that our hearts would also be directed that way that we would know the same joy, that we would know the same successes that these men saw though they struggled they struggled on but they were used of God. Amen. Well, let's pray. Father in Heaven, now we would pray that you will bless the Word of God to us for the Lord Jesus' sake. We pray that thou will use it within us, that we might be those who are able to see a similar work done in us, that you would open our hearts, open our minds to see that which we must fix our minds upon. Do this, we all pray.